Hey, I'm Jake Brennan, and I want to tell you about Disgraceland, the award-winning music and true crime podcast that I host. Disgraceland tells the stories of musicians getting away with murder and behaving very badly. Fleetwood Mac, Nipsey Hussle, Cardi B, Ozzy Osbourne, Taylor Swift, Tupac, The Beatles, Amy Winehouse, Jay-Z, The Grateful Dead, and so many more. This is not the music history you've heard before. This is an uncensored, immersive look at the lives of musical icons as seen through the crimes they've committed or that have been perpetrated against them. Did Jerry Lee Lewis murder his fifth wife? What really happened to Sam Cooke in that seedy motel at 3 a.m.? And how did the Rolling Stones wind up sleeping with the First Lady? Wait, what? New episodes of Disgraceland drop every Tuesday with bonus episodes released on Mondays and Thursdays. So get in, buckle up, and join me in Disgraceland. Available right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Rock and roll. Hi, this is Lowell Tolhurst, co-founder of of The Cure. This is Budgie, co-founder of The Creatures, drummer with The Slits, and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome to Curious Creatures. Life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we We drew the the map. map. So there's 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 another album. Yeah changed everything for me and that was uh, David Bowie's Low because up until that point I, I liked Bowie a lot I understood him yeah you know I, I and, and I liked the music but I didn't I, I didn't revere him you know he, it wasn't like oh he's you know everything about it is great I was like I liked it hmm. so I got him but Low was the album when I really got him because like everything about that like the the sounds you know the 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 damn trio the three of them you know with bass drums and guitarists you know it was like with dennis davis sound and george murray and carlos Carlos salomar yeah it was it was perfect and then you know all this stuff floating in and out the whole time you know little like synth bubbles coming from nowhere and stuff and then the lyrics the lyrics were so obtuse but I got the sort of, uh, what is it, sort of, you know, the the hom existential, you know, he, he was like, he was speaking with a, a thing that I understood about alienation and, and difference and the music fit that. And it gave to me, I mean, I know people look at like, you know, Siggy Stardust and Aladdin Sane and think, oh, you know, it's a creature from another planet. But this was like something that looked kind of, normal you know the front cover i mean he, you know he's got his hennet hair which is like you know was different and this sort of wild you know orangey color going on but mm. it was like it was like it was the alienation and and the change in perspective that i really gravitated to you know wasn't that his image from the nick rogue film yes. uh, manifold to us yes that I mean, he was wearing the the kind of the it was like a duffel, duffel coat, coat like a yes, black duffel coat, black duffel coat, and the hennaed hair. And it was suddenly a duffel coat became like cool. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I I got that because it was like it it was like almost normal, but with this slight bent that wasn't you know that that things were kind of different, and um, that was portrayed in the music because the music didn't really sound like I mean. A lot of them, like, you know, the first side, because it was an album back then, the 
first mm. side mm. was you know like little snippets of music really with like you know maybe a lyric comes in here and there wasn't really like a chorus or you know there was there was like little instances coming across and they've all fit together perfectly i still listen to that record uh probably at least once a month now you know isn't it interesting i've got, I've got a couple of things i could throw into the the, the pot here yeah. Um, first of all, I've just been, I keep, my, my phone keeps spitting out tracks from Black Star. Yes. And the one that comes out the most is, I think it's, tis a pity she's a whore, I think. Yeah. But there's a kind of harmonica on there, which pays homage to a track from Low. Right. Which is, there is only one track, which is the same pitch, it's almost the same harmonica part. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a pre-Low story, which will kind of show you how, you know, how in England he was, you know, really revered in in lots of ways. I think you know. So it's just like this, this, the run up to how you came to what happened before Low. It, yeah, well, yeah, it's it's a, a ways a ways before that, not too far before that. But um, I used I used to have a job before I I did this music business. You I, never did. I did for a, for a, for a twinkle in the eye. I had I had a sort of pretend job for a while. Okay, and, and this is post uh, post paper round. Oh yeah, post paper yeah. round and pre um, you know superstardom or whatever. And um, so I I uh, I worked in in a laboratory, and uh, I of course you know we were trying to get the band off the ground. So so I I inveigled or finagled. Uh, <laughs> like that word <laughs> just keep it as finagled i have no idea finagled. what that is yeah I but, but i do like it i'm going to use it often <laughs> finagled are you finagled i've i've never been so finagled mrs <laughs> yeah, or finagled maybe it's finagled anyway i got uh, i got both you um, say finagle and i say finagle yes <laughs> i got uh i got young uh young because we were all young back then i got young <laughs> young mr dempsey and and young mr thompson a job at the same place right it so happened maybe about three or four hundred yards from the place was a very fine pub so at lunchtime um of course you know we they're never to too down. far away are they no, never too far away in England, that's for sure. And yeah. so um, we would go down to the pub and uh, we would sit there and, you know, have our scotch egg or whatever and, you know, <laughs> half of bitter. <laughs> Can we just pause for a moment, though? There's a, yeah. there's a, 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 there is a dietary need uh, to explain yeah. scotch yeah. egg. Yeah, you tell them what's a, what a scotch egg is. Oh, my goodness. Movie. As far as I remember, and I don't recall ever uh, ingesting one of these things right in bars in england we yeah. had oh perhaps in britain but the yeah. ones i knew about on the bar stood a big glass jar with right. boiled eggs which were pickled in some kind of briny vinegar solution yeah the scotch egg is then smothered in a kind of um, puree paste i believe of like minced lizard sausage meat sausage meat there you go awful Awful. Pretty awful. And yeah. then coated in breadcrumbs. Yeah. And then I don't know what. Was it then plunged and deep fried? I doubt it. I doubt it. I, I, think, it, I think it was <laughs> meant to eat cold. So that just shows you, you know, uh, yeah. with a little mustard, a little mutard. So, so uh, but now we've explained that culinary delight. Yeah. Old, one of my old school chums, sister <laughs> worked in the bar. 
and so we used to sort of have a chat with her anyway we were sitting in there one day and we could hear some vibrant music coming from the back room and we're like what's that we don't know what that is and it turns out it was Bowie's drummer Woody Woodman he was in the back room of the pub yes playing on his own really no 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 he had his he had his new band Woody Woodman's U-Boat do you remember them yeah, and they fitted in the back room of the pub. I thought Woody Woodman's his U-boat. I thought his drum kit was bigger than the pub. Well, you know, it was either like that or it was like the Tardis. You know, like sort of multi-dimensional. Wow. But um, I always, I, I, I always wanted to see them because I just well, found I, I like, I really loved, I loved the name. What were they like? They were great, and I heard them. And me and Pearl were sitting there at the bar, going, "That's that sounds kind of familiar, kind of thing," and. And uh, Michael, Mickey D, was there too. And we were sort of thinking, well, and then out from behind the bar swanned, you know, a very glammed, you know, Woody Woodman. Because it was that time of, you know, thing, I think it was sort of like late 70s, you know. And, like, we um, mean, he, he was dressed in the silver suit, like with the bolero and a... Well, he had, he had a fur jacket on, if I recall correctly as well. You know, so he was, still a, he was still a spider. Yes, yes. <clears throat> And um, and and me and me and the chaps took it as a bit of a sign that we were on the right path because it sounded quite quite good what they were doing. So that's my that's my one pre pre low story. Yeah, a lot of the rock musicians, if you like, pre seventy seven, pre you know, they'd they'd kind of got their thing. They'd had two years of like notoriety, and then they kind of stuck to the same format, right? Which is which is what. Bowie, for whatever reason, was was would never do. Was always changing. Yeah, and I was thinking that somewhere again in a pub in my little hometown, I would have heard for the first time "Panic in Detroit," right? And I would have heard something from Queen like Seven Seas of Rye." Yeah, yeah, and later sort of "Rebel Rebel," but I was thinking the seeds of punk were probably already sown oh yeah and so by the time we get to low it couldn't be further from rebel rebel right and yet queen was still kind of doing version five of the seven seas yeah. of rye well it's funny you should say that though because about that time you know the the young young little version of of the cure yeah mm. we were probably playing occasionally songs like rebel rebel you know because yeah. um, uh, well that kind of era of like you know sort of wham bam thank you ma'am kind of bowie you know oh yeah, yeah. Wham, so bam, thank you ma'am he had a lot of influence on us not just um visually you know because that's that's something that uh the young'uns today won't mm. realize about <clears> stuff <throat> a lot of the time when you say like you know punk rock or glam rock or something like that they just have this visual image you know and it was it was that of course but it was like other things as well which are not necessarily so apparent you know in the end of the 70s there was a great sort of recession and mm. you know, downtrodden feeling in in the country and the first thing was you know i suppose really like Bowie and Bolan and, um, you know, Slade and all those bands, they were all sort of like a little flashy and sparkly and like, here's something nice for you to think about instead of all the, you know, doom and despair. And then 
you know that changed and and uh, and it became a little more angst and that was the punk thing and then and then we came back with the doom and despair so you know it's like it all goes full circle but also i'm also for some reason reading and i bought it when i was traveling through england a couple of years three years ago yeah. um paul molly old friend our old mate paul molly right. written the kind of a bible of bowie really yeah. and in it he there's a point where it's just before mark boland has his fatal car crash right and it's Bowie's last meeting with Mark Boland. Okay. And it's where Mark has got his own TV show. Boland's right. got his own TV show, and no. Bowie's a guest. Right. And Bowie's going to sing because it, it's a chance for him to f- perform Heroes. Yeah. Um, it's the way that Aladdin saying Ziggy Stardust, if you like, that the glam parts, the kind of strangeness that Mark Boland is a kind of strange elfin character. Yeah. Right. That Mark Boland hadn't moved on. He he looked no. a little overweight. And he had corkscrew hair still, and right. he still had the feather feather boa, and he was yeah. still pouting at the camera. Yeah. And Bowie had turned up like, like stick thin. Yeah. With a gitan and yeah. jeans and a check shirt. Yeah. It, it it kind of summed it up really, because somehow, I think that when Low landed in at the time it did for us, it, again was somebody who'd reinvented themselves and it, i think it's also a, a, like an intersection of a point with us because maybe if we'd been a bit older or a bit younger we'd have liked his first incarnation more but it seemed to be 1977 that was the, the pivotal point where i could really understand him as an artist and and mm and feel like, oh, I, I get this, and I really like the way that it, he's doing it. And, it. and it influenced a lot of stuff that uh, we did as a cure, for sure. I know that. I wonder uh, why. Why is it, it's, it's very obvious that Bowie came out with uh, Low and Heroes yeah. um, at that time. Were anybody else who'd done that? You know, Iggy Pop's uh, The Idiot and yeah. Lost for Life as well. Right. Um, they, 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 both of them were still were kind of accepted. In, yeah. the, in in what was happening around post pistols, right. right. clash, but uh, you know, you, you, all the other bands I've mentioned from who are peaking uh, in the late seventies, yeah. Zeppelin, yeah, they, they, they were not allowed. They they were right. hanging out outside the vortex, you know. And yeah. John Bonham was like, you know, going to deck somebody because these punks yeah. didn't know how to play and all that. Yeah, but. Bowie didn't. Bowie was kind of like cool to the fact that things were change. Big change was happening. And he did his thing and uh, didn't demand attention. I think always for him, he was he was always, uh, you know, a, a synthesis. He would take the what was going on in society and music and culture at the time and do his version of it. And do it a few months before anybody else had heard about it in the mainstream. Kudos to him for seeing the writing on the wall and and adapting it. You know, I I just moved to London and was spending a lot of time in other in studios, where every engineer in every studio in London was wondering how to get the sound of the snare drum right. of low. Yeah, yeah, they thought it was. It, they even had the even tied harmonizer. Yeah, but they were, they didn't have the secret setting. No, the secret setting that would make it. Sound- <laughs> I mean, I spent a lot of my career trying to recreate that because I loved the I loved the sound of Dennis Davis. That drums. quick descending. 
Yeah. And it's funny because I, I saw an interview with, uh, with, with Dennis Davis uh, a while back, you know, before he passed away, rest in peace. And mm. he, uh, he was saying, you know, hey, I just came in every day and I just played. And then I came back the next day and they'd done all that stuff to it. And I'm like, okay, whatever. It's fine. I, I played it, I guess. You know. There's a story in there somewhere. Who's the, who was the last drummer that played with uh, Bowie, with uh, Galen Dorsey? And- oh, yeah. Je ne sais pas. I do not know. Uh, why can't I? Uh, Sterling, Sterling Campbell. Yeah. I know that what he shared, an, he, he, he lived in the same apartment building when he arrived in New York as Dennis Davis. And he met Davis coming down in the elevator. Okay. And he said, where are you going? He says, I'm going to a gig. My my, my boss is playing tonight. Yeah. He says, who's that? He said, it's David Bowie. And he said, I, I, I said come along. You're, I said, I, I play drums. He said, brilliant. So we didn't know who, they didn't know who each other was. The start right. was like a young, young guy. I, I just thought that, that 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 moment of handing the torch over. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. Let me introduce you to my boss. Yeah. That, you know, and uh, the right. band I play in, and who knows, maybe one day you'll end up there. Yeah. And he did. And he did. Yeah. Mm. Wow, that's a good story. I like uh, I like the story about uh, you know uh, them asking you know Tony Visconti, you know the producer, what 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 does he put on this? What was this marvelous machine he'd used to make the drum sound? So he said, well, you know, harmonizer. And he said, well, what does it do? He said, it fucks with the fabric of time. (laughs) And so, yeah, kind of true, really, you know. So if we we come to, again, come bring us to the the album under discussion low. Yeah. So this comes out 77. The same year as Heroes comes out as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, but it's on the back of like his appearance in Nicholas Rogue's film. Yeah. And there are people walking around Liverpool with the kind of, uh, you know, the, the red, the shiny red hair and yeah. the duffel coat. Yeah. But I'm thinking what I'm trying to get to is he comes out with this album as we're formulating our first bands. Well, yeah. certainly in Liverpool we were. Yeah. There might have been a few bands in 76, but by 77 we're all kind of wondering how What's to do been, this. Right. And so he's the instigator from when you were much younger, yeah. and yet he's also the kind of this album is is basically kind of trying to put you off track in a way. You're thinking, uh, how did we get here? How's it? Where is, where is he coming from with this? Well, I, I have a I have a, a theory about that, of course, based on many years hindsight. Um, Bowie's album, uh, yeah, came in on a sort of slight obtuse slant, but I sort of figured that that was like a bit of a way forward that we we didn't need to be just you know we weren't ever going to sound like and you know. God bless them, but we weren't going to sound like Eater or you know any of those like you know just sort of straight ahead thrash punk bands. Uh, we we had different influences as well, you know, and we had some of the influences that Low had because we had like the the krautrock stuff and mm. you know, that we were listening to, and you know, so we we had those things that were always on the periphery. And I think for Low, what happened to me for Low, I realised. For us, I think it was like there were so many different uh, tangents in that that I could latch on to 
that I've never liked, I've never tired. I've never lied. I've never tired listening to it. You know, even today I can listen to it and discover something new every time. So it was really um, pivotal, you know, in lots of ways. Music always has to be an exploration. You know, you, you know, if you just hit on one particular uh, vein and mine that to death until the end of your career, it could be a bit tedious. So I, I think you always have to uh, push yourself a little further, make yourself a little more uncomfortable sometimes or just try to understand something different and that that's makes it interesting for everybody not just yourself you know i i i think this is where low comes into its own it yeah. is that it kind of gave us permission to, to and a lot of people a yeah. lot of bands a lot of who were what should I say? Woken by the yeah. excitement of what was happening, woken by the number of bands that were forming, yeah. the number of places to play that were, you know, were not real venues, though. We, but we were out there all touring around, all, all passing each other on the M1 yeah, absolutely. in England. And, um, um, and Lowe kind of said there are no rules. Just it kind of conf confounded and... Gave us license, really license yeah. to kind of go. Do you just let it, let it, let it take you where you where you want to go? Curious Creatures is created and presented by Lol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer Dan Didier. Executive producer Mark Cates. Associate producer Sophie Wild. Digital marketing Margie Taylor. Art and logo design Justin Thomas K. Music production, Jackknife Lee. Curious Creatures is on the web, and you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com. And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter at Cure Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com or follow at doubleelvis on Instagram or at doubleelvis on Twitter. Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2022.